0: that night i woke up the next morning and i'm in intensive care i'm chained to the bed like uh because i was pulling these tubes out of me i had charcoal all over my stomach they had pumped my stomach
1: after nearly losing his life to substance use and suicide peter turned his life around as a high school senior now nearly 25 years in recovery he's our guest on this episode of win this year Drugs and alcohol. Bullying. Unhealthy relationships. Depression.
0: Internet safety. Substance use. Body image.
1: Self-injury. Suicide.
0: Anxiety. Social media. Kids. Pre-teens. Parenting. Middle school. High school. Adolescents. Teens.
1: Coping skills.
0: Self-care. Relationships. Strategies. Life skills. Prevention. Solutions. Help. Hope.
1: Leadership. Insight. Information. Inspiration. You're listening to Win This Year. The official podcast of Not My Kid, a prevention nonprofit focused on inspiring positive life choices by helping kids, parents, families, and those who work with youth. Informative. Interesting. Inspiring. Win this year. Welcome to Win this year. I'm Shane Watson, public information officer and prevention specialist for Not My Kid. It is a new fiscal year for Not My Kid. It is a new season, season two of Win This Year. And kicking us off, our guest today, Peter. Grew up on the East Coast and got sober as a senior in high school, turning 18 in treatment. This October, God willing, will be 25 years of sobriety for which he credits 12-step programs and God. Today, Peter is 43 and runs a software company. He has been married 17 years and has three children. Peter, welcome to Win This Year.
0: Thanks a lot, Shane. Happy to be here.
1: One of the things that makes your recovery story unique, and I've pointed this out with other guests that we've had previously, is that it doesn't necessarily start out like some people still in 2020 expect a story of addiction and recovery to start. What were your early years like?
0: Sure. Sure. So uh, grew up I uh, was born into a great family mom and dad um, to myself and I have a younger sister uh, really close family, uh, lots of cousins, lots of Sunday dinners with with the whole family um, you know I think what was unique about maybe for me as I look back into my upbringing when I was when I was one my dad, Uh, got cancer and was given six months to live. He ended up, he ended up surviving that. Um, But that, that really uh, foreshadowed a lot of uh, how, you know, how our family um, felt, you know, we felt very grateful that he beat that, but also like scared that it could come back. Um, And I think the other, other unique part of my family that my friends would say uh, my family owned a brewery in uh in outside Philadelphia or in Philadelphia from you know the late 1800s to like the 1970s I wasn't born until 1977 but um so but there was a ton of uh just family heritage around beer and uh the the business and uh, everyone in my family has a bar in their house and had a keg on tap and um and there were lots of family parties just on a regular basis um which i really had a great time at and 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 had very fond memories of that i, ne- I never saw my parents drunk they they did not have a drinking problem so for me it was a very um you know very warm and like very a lot of positive memories about family parties and beer and drinking from, you know, a pretty early age. And I, um, I you know, I loved hanging out with my older cousins and in, in those environments and settings.
1: What changed for you and when? It sounds like even though, you know, you did go through the, the cancer situation with your father, which ended well, but I also understand at the same time the apprehension of, are we returning to this? and it sounded like alcohol was ever present but not necessarily in an out of control way what changed for you and when to end up changing the trajectory of the path that you were on
0: yeah i think that in in all reality i i all even though it was a great family and all these these things um i i would say that i i felt like i was born without the owner's manual and um And so I had very high expectations in hindsight, you know, looking back, I could see I had very high expectations of how I thought I should feel as a person. I, I I felt in many ways, like I was not enough. Uh, I, I was never the athlete that I felt I needed to be to feel good about myself. Same thing with school. I felt I was, you know, if I wasn't getting straight A's and the best player on the team, um, for whatever reason, I, um, I felt like I was the worst. And, um, and so I think pretty early on, um, I, I just didn't feel secure in, in, in the world. I think my dad's sickness had a lot to do with it, uh, and the fear of him dying. But I think too, just how I was wired, um, I, it was just kind of a you know, a, a little, you know, I, I felt like I could go places with my friends and they'd be, they'd be just happy, go lucky. And I just wanted more. And, uh, and so wasn't as well adjusted to, to just life on life's terms. Um, but I was good at, at socializing and I enjoyed, uh, you know, especially befriending older kids. Uh, I was funny. I could brighten up a room. Um, and so if there was if there was an area where I felt like I could be, you know, really good and, and very natural and didn't have to to sort of work hard, it, it was it was on the, the social side.
1: It sounds like you had a lot of what you mentioned sounds very similar to me, sounds very familiar to the path that I went through during some of those same years. It sounds like you had a lot of internal pressure, which I want to isolate. I want to highlight, by the way, for the parents listening Plenty of the kids that we meet that eventually do turn to alcohol or drugs aren't necessarily the, quote-unquote, troubled kids. They're very high-achieving, but they are feeling an incredible amount of pressure, whether it's internal or external. So, Peter, what made you eventually decide to try alcohol or drugs for the first time? What age were you at when that happened?
0: Uh, I was, I was, uh, well, I, just to to build on what you just said, I, I think I did feel an immense amount of pressure, and it was not. My parents were not putting the pressure. I'm not really sure where the pressure came from, to be honest. Um, I did not have parents that that had these super high expectations of me. They were, they were, you know, pretty great. I, I do think I felt, I felt out of control, and like I didn't have. Uh, when I said the the blueprint, like I didn't I didn't know what boundaries I should observe and what boundaries not, and um, and so I, I was kind of craving structure, but would would fight you if you tried to put structure on me. So it was kind of, you know, it, it, I didn't feel like I, I just wasn't well adjusted from that standpoint. I and I don't exactly know why. I think I was just born that way. Um, but to answer your question, what made me try alcohol? um, or drugs for the first time, you know, I, I, tried alcohol first. I, I mean, I grew up sort of sneaking sips of, of beer from my dad. Hey, can I have a sip or, or my grandfather? And so, you know, I, I don't know how old I was when I had my first sip, but the first time I drank with friends, you know, hiding it from my parents to get drunk was, was seventh grade. And I was, um, I was drawn to try it because that's what the older kids were doing. And, um, and it just seemed like I, I, you know, I was sort of sick of being the younger kid in the family that wasn't doing it. And I wanted to, I wanted to sort of have my time. Um, so that's, that was what drew me to it.
1: What was that first experience like? Did you immediately take to it? Did you feel like you had found some kind of solution to what you were dealing with? How did it go?
0: Yeah, it went pretty well. I mean, it, 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 uh, it was described this way to me in a meeting and I related to it. It was like, God came down and kissed me on the brain. Mm -hmm. That's how it felt when I first got drunk. I I remember thinking the next day, like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And why don't people do this every weekend? And I'm going to do this every weekend. Um, and I think what I what I felt there was first just a separation from that pressure. I mean it was that, that pressure uh, you know it's it separated me from my ego I guess and um, and that sort of inner inner critic or inner voice and it was very freeing and and I, I tended to um, like myself more. Uh, I tended to like the people I was with more. And, um, and then, you know, there just seemed to be funny stories. So, um, it, it, it it was like, I, um, you know, I, I didn't have these, these inhibitions of, of how I think I should be an act. And I was more, you know, what I felt like at the time was my natural self. And, um, and I was relating to people better. So it, 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 it felt like I, I went from, living in reality to immediately having a completely different perspective on my life. And it was a very positive perspective uh, on my life in the world. And that that felt freeing.
1: I can really relate to that because for me, you know, the first drink in seventh grade, thinking that I had found the solution to my lack of self-identity and self-confidence the escape from the bullying that I was going through. And I often tell kids when I share my story, the first time I drank or used, one of the worst things that could have possibly happened did happen, nothing. And by that, I mean there wasn't an immediate consequence. If something had gone wrong, if I had had some horrible disaster, maybe I would have viewed it differently. But like you and like so many other people in recovery, the thought was, especially when you're young, I have found... The answer. So what was the progression then from that? What was the progression like? Did it take a while or did things accelerate quickly for you? What did you move on to after that first time?
0: Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, um, I became a hundred percent focused on how I could drink every weekend. And so seventh grade, you know, it's not necessarily easy to get alcohol. Um, and and focusing on hanging out with kids that wanted to to do that as well, and so um, it, it, it early on, it, it kind of like you just described for you, it felt like the most predictable thing in my life. I could I could have two or three drinks, and I mean, I never only had two drinks, but at at, at the point where I had two. You know, I, I it was as if I was sitting down and, and I was looking at a puzzle of my life and it, it looked like it was, you know, a uh, you know, it was going nowhere and I could rearrange the puzzles with a little alcohol. And all of a sudden I'd, I'd be like, this is a masterpiece. My life's I, I, I don't have to worry about anything. Everything is exactly the way it's supposed to be. And so there was nothing I could do that I was aware of that would let me feel so happy and secure with my perspective of my life um without, you know, other than drinking. And so it was so consistent that it, it very quickly became um my my best friend. And um I'd say seventh and eighth grade were 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 pretty tame. There's, you know, drinking. Um I think I probably had my first consequence in eighth grade um, where I was at a summer camp and I concocted a plan to sneak out at night and, and with some other kids and go drink. And, uh, we got in trouble. Um, almost got, almost got, you know, kicked out of the camp. And that, that was a big, that was kind of a big deal, um, for me at the time. But, um, you know, I became obsessed with it. Like, so to the point, the beginning of high school, I spent the three weeks before high school started constructing a speakeasy in the woods near my house uh that i thought i was gonna have these like poker drinking parties with 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 kids and we had a big party uh you know my freshman year of high school i'm i'm 110 pounds and thinking i'm the king of the castle because i got seniors coming to this this casino shack that i built um in the woods and uh you know we got caught and it got knocked down but like that was that was probably the height of like the positive funny story of drinking and then and then uh, you know as we'll get into it, it it turned it turned really hard in a bad way
1: i have to respect though that entrepreneurial spirit I meet so many kids who are so ingenious and brilliant, and it's just a matter of if we can funnel that and we can harness that and get it in a positive direction, that is a future business owner right there. But as you mentioned, the good times, quote unquote good times, only last for so long. What eventually did alcohol end up opening the door to? What other substances did you move on to?
0: You know, I, uh, marijuana was, was next. Um, and so that was, you know, it, it was pretty much drinking and, and, and marijuana and, uh, you know, I never, it's funny. I never really loved how it made me feel. It, it made me feel, um, tired. It did not have the same effect on me that, that alcohol did where alcohol really amped me up. Um, but I still did it. And I, and I sort of expected every time that I would do it, that it'd be like, I'd feel different or like, I'd get some magical experience (laughs) and I never really did, but my friends would do it and it was a way to, um, escape reality. Um, and you know, that, that would have been something that I used, uh, during the week, you know, where I'd have maybe a little anxiety about homework and I would go out and, uh, and use, uh, pot and, um, and as a result, you know, that, that it was like that, but it wasn't, it wasn't central to, to that. I I did, I did then sort of venture a little bit into some psychedelics and, um, and that was, you know, its own experience. Um, and then in, uh, In And then later on, then into pills, which was just very easy to abuse. And that took me down super quick.
1: When did you begin to realize that you might be addicted or that alcohol and drugs were starting to take over your life? When did you start to see the negative impact and from what substance in particular or a combination? Yeah. How did that go?
0: Yeah, I was kind of thinking. Uh, I think about my my drinking like almost in like three acts of a play. You know, act one was, wow, I found this this magical thing that could make me feel good about myself and the world, and it was really consistent. Um, I, I drank it and I feel better, so that's pretty interesting. And um, but I was very keenly aware that I. That it was, it felt more magical to me than it did my peers. And I remember being as young as in eighth grade and having to do a school assignment where they asked you to write about your greatest fear. And I just didn't do it. And, and the reason was, my greatest fear was that if I didn't slow down my drinking, I'd become an alcoholic and not be able to drink anymore. Wow. So I had this, I had this pretty early concept that, Hey, this is so like, it, there's nothing in life that's free. And this is so good that if I don't watch myself, I might lose the, the, uh, the right to do this. And so there was some early, um, things in my mind of, Oh my God, you know, this is, this is, um, but it wasn't i wasn't afraid i'd be an alcoholic i was afraid that if i was an alcoholic i couldn't drink and that i would lose my my best friend and then and that was sort of phase 1 phase 2 was hey if alcoholics this great like why not try to find something even better and um and that's when i i started to um you know experiment and um Pills was my junior year in high school, I started to, I got introduced to this concept that, you know what, there's pills in medicine cabinets and I can find painkillers. And, uh, and I started to, to take them, um, and, and within months, um, like, like probably honestly, 12 weeks of, of, of experimenting with that, not every day, but, but introducing that into my life I was um extremely depressed and um and I would uh I just would you know I'd have fun at the beginning of the night when I'm drinking and by the end of the night it's 12 31 people are starting to peel off and go to bed and I'm I'm like left with myself and 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 would really end up feeling like man I don't I just go to a dark place and I started to really get, you know, obsessed with thinking about the idea of, of killing myself. And, um, and I, it got, it got pretty dark. Um, And by the like spring of my junior year of high school, I was I just was feeling like I never asked to be here. Um, you know, out, the alcohol and the drugs, they just weren't working the way they used to. Um, and I just wanted to escape. And so I decided to, you know, write a note and attempt suicide. Um, and unfortunately it it, it didn't work. Um, it was a failed suicide attempt that was a pretty serious attempt. Uh and and um you know, I don't want to get into details, but it, it, it was like it was as if God sort of intervened. Um, I mean the, the details of the story are such that you would not expect someone to survive the attempt. And um and I remember at the time feeling like I just seriously tried to uh, and my life, uh, more than one time in a night and none of them worked. And I am stuck here. Uh, and like, like you're really kind of at the end of your rope when you, you know, you're feeling like drugs and alcohol aren't working the way they used to. Um, you know, I I did feel like the fact that I, I did survive meant like it wasn't supposed to happen. But, um, at that point, It was very clear to me that my life was unmanageable, and I didn't think that it was because of drugs and alcohol. I I felt that if you really knew me and you took away the drugs and alcohol, you'd think I was really messed up and that the drugs and alcohol are the only thing that is actually sort of neutralizing how – unmanageable my life is. I mean, I didn't even my man in my junior year of high school, I just didn't even take the exams. I took I had to take them all the first week of my senior year. I I was I and mean, I was not even wanting to go to school at that point. And um and so I was very aware, you know, they say when you you know, you come into a 12 step program, they say, you know, step 1 is, you know, you're you're powerless over alcohol and your life has become unmanageable and that people tend to come in in w- in either one of two camps, they think their life's fine, but they have a problem with alcohol or they, 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 um, they know their life is not fine, but they, they don't think they have a problem with alcohol. I was kind of, I knew my life was not, I knew that I was, I was struggling. I was looking for something and I had no, you know, the things that I was using to cope were no longer working. And I was, I was in a, a really uh, dark place.
1: So the day that you decided to change things, now you've talked to me before, you and I've talked briefly about your story. And if I recall correctly, uh, I, I, correct me if I'm wrong. There was a conversation, you know, your attempts landed you, I believe in the hospital. And you had a conversation with your parents that sounded like it was fairly pivotal. Is that correct?
0: Yeah. So what happened was, I had like fast forwarding, I had attempted, I had attempted suicide as a, as a, like in May of my junior year of high school, I, um, I just went MIA for like two days. Um, uh, my parents had me see a therapist. I shared what had happened with a the therapist and I went for, from like May till October seeing this therapist and trying to figure out what was going on and, and I was kind of managing, trying to manage my drinking at that point. Um, you know, maybe if I just drank beer, maybe if I, you know, uh, you know, you know, if I don't drink hard liquor, is there really such thing as an alcoholic that doesn't drink hard liquor? So I'll just drink beer. And, and like, by definition, you know, I had all these like crazy thoughts in my head. Maybe I, maybe I date a girl who's like really good and squared away and that will help me. <laughs> I tried very familiar,
1: little, very familiar. Things.
0: And, um, and so, uh, the therapist was like, like kind of, sh- kind of throwing his hands up in the air a little bit, like nothing seems to be working. I felt that I was being pretty honest with him, and I do remember at one point even saying, "Do you think I'm an alcoholic?" And him saying, "No." And I remember thinking, like, I'm building up the courage. I'm going to ask him, and um, and and he said, uh, he said. Um, you know he no i don't think so and i was like oh great like, you know like, it was like a relief but there was a couple things that had happened during uh high school um that that i mean in my mind i was wondering like you know i was wondering and then our the first thing i remember happening was um someone had come to our school and talked to, uh, they were in recovery and they they told their story And I couldn't remember what they said, but I remember, A, knowing the topic was going to be this, thinking, like, all right, I'm very interested in this topic. I mean, I didn't tell anyone that, but I was very interested to hear what this was because I was questioning what was going on with me. And I remember leaving it thinking, I couldn't relate to everything the person said. I thought some of it was like, "Wow, that's really hardcore" at the time. But um, but I related to uh, I related to the person, and and I I felt like I understood where this person was coming from, and that in some ways he was he was saying things that um, he he must have said something that that I really related to, which scared me because I, I just I, I remember. I remember it being an uncomfortable, um, a little bit uncomfortable for me. And then um, another thing happened where i uh, i had um, I had seen the there's these twenty questions of of of, are you an alcoholic? And uh, I I was at a lacrosse camp calling my mom, and I see the there was pamphlets by the payphones, and I. I saw it. So I said, all right, I have to take the test. And I took the test and I, I did not, uh, it did not prove that according to the test, I was definitely an alcoholic and I was, I was like 16 at the time. So that stuff was in my mind. Um, and so what had happened was, um, I'm seeing this therapist, you know, I'm, I'm, my life's unmanageable. I'm wondering, I'm, I did wonder at times if it was due to alcohol, but I really didn't believe that I was an alcoholic. That, that just seemed like really a stretch. Um, but I did believe that I was, I was struggling and he thought that maybe I was, uh, um, bipolar. So he said, why don't you try this medicine and, and, um, and then, uh, you know, but you can't drink on it. And, uh, and it was, you know, I, I and I said, well, I'm going to drink. He said, well, just don't drink a lot. So a week, a week on that, I, I drank all day. I, um, I, I, uh, you know, I used, uh, pills and hallucinogenics that night in, in a large dosage and ended up in intensive care, um, I had, and I don't remember that much of the night. And, and what I remember is not um, does not make sense in in, in, a, in a in a in the world we live in. But um, but what did happen that night? I woke up the next morning, and I'm in intensive care. I'm chained to the bed, like uh, because I was pulling the tubes out of me. I had charcoal all over my stomach. They had pumped my stomach. And the nurses put the TV on and I had grown up going to Catholic school and, uh, it was the Pope and he was saying mass in, in Baltimore and this is 1995 and they put it on. And so I wake up and I never felt, I mean, I felt like I was on a cross. (laughs) I mean, I never felt so horrible. Um, and I had known that I caused some major problems the night before. Um, I was, I was throwing up that night and choking. And my sister, younger sister tried to help me. And I, I bit her finger and I almost bit it off. So she had had to get some plastic surgery on her, on her hand. And, um, and I remember my parents didn't even come to visit me that day. They were so upset and, 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 and just probably feeling all these things that um, I, I think it took them like, maybe they came later the next day. Um, but I remember being like, where are they? And, um, and they came in and they said, they clearly had been planning what they were going to do. They said, we think you have a drug problem. And, and I remember thinking back to the guy who I don't even know his name, um, who spoke at the high school and thinking back to taking those 20 questions, and I said, you know, I have a drinking problem too, and to them that was a big deal. Like it, that, it would have been easier to accept that I, um, you know, I'm not an alcoholic, but I, I've just gotten into drugs, and and it's just drugs. And so that was a real pivotal moment. And and I think for me, what what happened that night in the hospital is I remember, I remember being, you know, on hallucinogenics, totally. You know in and out of consciousness my parents on both sides of me crying and i remember just having this shift where i just said you know if i just like maybe if i stop doing drugs and alcohol um i know i won't hurt them anymore my and i i thought my life will suck my life will be miserable but at least i won't hurt them and that was a big shift for a 17 year old, uh, for me. Um, like that for whatever reason, not hurting them became more important than, and my sister not hurting them all became more important to me than, um, than, than losing my, my friend of, uh, you know, who really wasn't my friend anymore of, of drugs and alcohol. And so I told them, I told them and, um, they then had me go um, I got out of the hospital. They had me see a drug and alcohol counselor, and uh, a friend of mine uh, a good friend of mine's dad who i was I was pretty close with, he had heard about what happened, and he called me over to his house and asked what happened and and i I told him probably he's probably the first person I really told my story to. And he was kind of like, oh, my gosh, there's a lot here. And he knew a guy, uh, a guy named Mo, who uh, who coached his son in basketball, who was in Alcoholics Anonymous. And he said, why don't you come over this week one night and meet Mo and bring your parents and your sister? And um, so we did. We, we, we said I, I scheduled, I guess, my own intervention at that point. And, um, and Mo came and, and Mo had really nothing in common with how I grew up. Mo grew up in the inner city. He was a great basketball player. He played in the NBA and he lost everything because of drugs and alcohol and, um, and was now sober apparently in coaching basketball. And, uh, and it was the day of the Million Man March, and he had just gotten off the train from from marching, and uh, and we're in this Philadelphia suburb, very you know white suburb, and he comes rolling in and sits down and tells his story. Just proceeds to tell his story, and I think everyone's in the room's reaction was like, "Wow, that's a really hard story," but I don't. You know, like, what does this have to do with us is is what I think everyone was thinking. And I was thinking, oh, my gosh, this guy speaking my language. Yes, the details are different, but but how he felt and why he did the things he did is the same as me. And I was compelled to tell my story. And I told my story for the first time to my family in a pretty, you know, unedited way. you know, brutal honesty fashion. And they were like, you know, they were, everyone was kind of blown. No one knew to the extent of what was really going on. And fast forward two weeks later, um, I, you know, this is actually, I think important for parents. Um, So Mo suggested that I go into treatment. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a senior in high school about, I'm just starting my senior year. And I remember us leaving and, and, and I was sort of thinking maybe I do need to go to treatment and my parents, but I didn't want to say that my parents, my parents were like, well, I, I don't think that we need to like, you know, I mean, you have high school, you're going to leave high school. Um, and so I didn't push it and, and, and it was, why don't we just see if we could do this on our own? And so I went, I went to an AA meeting that week for the first time with my sister and it didn't fully connect with the folks there. And then, um, and then uh, I went, I went out, and uh, I, I didn't. I went out to a party and did, you know held a beer the whole night, but didn't drink it. And and came back and reported back to my parents that I did it, but that it was miserable. And they had me. I went that Saturday to see a therapist, and he. He said, look, if you drink again, you're telling your family that you you need to get you need to go to treatment. And in my head, I'm thinking, "Okay, I want to go. I don't want to ask for some reason to go. Um, And so I'm just going to drink one last time. And the following Saturday was my high school uh, homecoming. And. I decided to drink. I said, and I, in my head, I said, this is going to be the last night I ever drink. And I was, um, I was desperate. I drank a bot, there was no alcohol in the house. And I drank a bottle of Scope and then went out. And I was supposed to be home by 10. I ended up not coming home till seven in the morning. And, uh, and that night I was, I was relieved. I was literally going around telling people, "Hey, this is the last night I'm going to drink." Um, uh, and and I had this feeling like, like I'm like I'm retiring, and I, I don't need to deal with this anymore. And I thought I'd go to treatment, and they just fix me, and voila. And so uh, I came home the next morning at seven a.m. and uh, <clears throat> uh, we had a little bit of a a bat a little bit of a battle because I I didn't actually want to stop at that moment. Um, I wanted to keep it going a little longer. And, uh, and the next day they drove me to the Karen foundation in Pennsylvania, which is a a treatment group. I was in the adolescent group. Um, I turned 18, like three days later. And, uh, and that place, that place I credit with changing my life. Um, I left high school for a month, which is pretty, pretty um public what was going on. Um I had a ton of support from from friends, uh from parents, from kids. And uh my high school was fantastic. Um I was getting letters, like multiple letters daily from people. Um and it it really meant a lot to get these letters from people. Uh and I just started to believe in there that, you know what, like Maybe this is my problem. Um, maybe if I solve the alcohol problem, the other stuff will 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 work out. I because I didn't I didn't really believe that in my heart. I believe that I am fundamentally a flawed person, and um, and alcohol was just helping me manage. And if I took that away, then I, I'd be really in a bad spot. But uh, but <clears throat> something changed in in there, and. I just started to take the suggestions, um, and then I got out, and and you know, uh, and you can talk more about that if, if that's the direction you want to go.
1: And that's one thing I want to highlight about your story is at the age of 17, at the age of 18, you put the brakes on. Stories do yeah. not have to get into someone's 20s, 30s, or 40s, and I wish I had taken that path, that direction at the age that you had. I didn't get sober till about 35 years old. And one of the reasons I was so excited, there's a number of reasons to have you share your story, is I wanted to highlight, not only for parents, but for anybody that listens to the show, an individual does not have to get well into their 20s or 30s or 40s before they stop doing this. You can stop at an early age. So what was it then in your early recovery? What was your early recovery like? And what did you do that worked for you?
0: Yeah. So I really was kind of blessed with, I mean, I, I, I knew it was, it was, it was drinker, you know, it, to drink was to die for me. Um, you know, and I, I believe I did not want to go back to that dark place. Once I was able to get a little time in space, uh, first, the first year was a complete roller coaster. Um, I actually had had a seizure that night in the hospital. Um, that 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 I talked about, and I and so I couldn't drive for six months. I get out of rehab. It's um, it's, it's uh, you know, it's uh, November, my senior year of high school. I'm eighteen, and I'm told to go to AA meetings and figure that out. And so I was. I had to get really comfortable being uncomfortable and doing things that <clears throat> were very contradictory to the idea in my head of how my life should be as an 18 year old kid. And so like things like get up early before school, my mom would drop me off at a six-thirty AA meeting. And then I'd get a ride from someone in AA to my high school. Um, I mean that—that's. I mean, I felt like I was in a complete after-school special, um, and but I kind of was able to get comfortable that, like, going to the beat of my own drum. Um, I remember my prom, my senior prom. I was completely freaking out, literally in tears, and um, and I'm driving to pick up my date. And I go into an AA meeting in my tux and I'm talking to these people like crying, like, I I don't know that I can do this. And, uh, and those people help me. And I realized, you know, they're like, we're going to get you some, we're going to get you some candy and, and, uh, sugar helps remove the craving. And, uh, if you're not comfortable leave. And, um, and so I, I just started to learn all these living skills by, by working the 12 steps and, Um, and so I was able to get through high school and then college was a big, a whole nother big, um, you know, milestone, like how do you go to college sober, decided to stay close to home and, uh, and ended up playing lacrosse in college. Honestly, wasn't planning to, but did it because I needed some way to, interact with people that was not alcohol related. And, um, and I ended up playing division one sport that I didn't even think was going to be a possibility. It was an awesome experience for me. Um, and so college was, it was different. People say, I don't know how you get sober. I mean, I wouldn't have gone to, I wouldn't have ended up in college. I don't, I don't think I would have made it through college if I, if I hadn't gotten sober for me. Um, and, and, uh, and so there, I mean, to your point of, of getting off the elevator before it goes to the bottom floor, um, and getting, getting sober young, you know, it it was a fantastic experience getting sober. Uh, I mean, it was hard. It was different but I look back and I am so grateful that I, that I did get sober and that I was able to do some of the things that I did in high, in, you know, my senior year of high school and college. Um, and, and for sure, my, my worst days as a sober person are better than my best days when I was drinking, uh, for sure. But I didn't, it took, it took a while for that, you know, for me to see that as a reality. And, um, but that's a pretty powerful reality.
1: What do you continue to do today to keep yourself sober? What works for you now?
0: So, I mean, for the last 24 plus years, for me, what works is being part of a 12-step program. Um, So I've gone to probably three... And anywhere from two to four AA meetings a week for the last 24 years. And, um, it's been the single best experience, uh, of my life. It is the, it is the, um, it is, you know, what, what I get today from being sober and there's a difference for me being sober versus not drinking, you know, sober is I'm, I'm actively working to, um, you know, live the life that I want to live, and I'm, uh, I'm working the 12 steps. I'm <clears throat> helping other people get sober, and when I'm doing that stuff, um, I get everything that alcohol and drugs promise me. I, I feel good about myself. I have a good outlook on life. Uh, I'm not fearful of of how life's going. I don't do things that I'm ashamed of. Uh, I never wake up and 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 have to spend 15 minutes trying to piece together what I did the Oof. night before, no, yep. knowing that I did something that 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 I'm going to be embarrassed to to look someone in the eye about, but trying to figure out what it was and who's the person that's angry with me. Like that stuff doesn't happen. Um, So today it's, it's about, um, you know, it's about, there's just some basic things that I've learned in the, in the program uh, to stay sober. That was your question. It's, it's, it's really as simple as I I hit my knees in the morning. I ask God to, to keep me sober that day. Um, I try to hit a meeting or talk to another alcoholic and, uh, and I, uh, I live a life that I don't have to, I don't have messes that I need to clean up. So, uh, and at night I thank God for keeping me sober.
1: You talk about the benefit of not having to wake up in the morning and asking yourself, who did I offend? Who do I need to apologize to? What did I do? I can identify with that so painfully to where it became normal. I'm putting normal in air quotes over here to pick up my phone when I was in my active addiction and my active alcoholism, to pick up my phone in the morning or afternoon whenever I came to and look at it and and try to recall who I had been around the night before, make some phone calls and ask people to fill in my evening for me and then ask, do I need to apologize to anyone from last night? That is such a beautiful, simple thing to not have to do that. Or when you go to sleep, having your mind be at peace. For me, I know it's a matter of no longer wondering what lie is going to fall apart that held up what other lie that held up what other lie and who's going to figure this out. So you did something very unique. You got sober right before the years where most people associate most heavily college with drinking or they call it partying or, or whatever, where people almost view it like you're supposed to do that. So what would your message be to a student or even a parent who believes that experimenting with drugs and or alcohol is a normal part of the adolescent years or even a quote unquote rite of passage? What would your message be to the people that are still holding to that idea?
0: Yeah, it's a tough question. Um, and I have I have I have mixed thoughts on it. <clears throat> on one hand, I I don't know what it's like to be a social drinker or, uh, you know, I just don't know what it's like to be a social drinker. Um, and, and so I am not someone, you know, I mean, one of the awesome things about, about a, and, uh, the 12 steps is, you know, we're not, we're, you know, I, I, am not anti drinking or drugs. Absolutely. Okay? I'm I'm anti it for me. Yep. What I what I will say is as a kid, you know, so it, that's how I would answer that. But what I will say is as someone that also was struggling with I think the things that everyone struggles with. I mean, high school is one of the hardest times in life for for most people. Um you know, I don't think anyone gets out of high school without any scars. And um, and so I, I do think that um, certainly, if 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 you know, I, I was not prepared to deal with the consequences that are likely to occur um, <clears throat> from experimenting the way I experimented with alcohol and drugs. Uh, I was fortunate that I escaped some major consequences. Um, I don't think, I don't think taking pills is ever part of anyone's rite of passage. Uh, and so it's not, it's not, you know, like going into the, going onto the pill realm, I I think is a, is a super dangerous place. And, um, and I think that, you know, there, you know, my, my hope, I have three young kids, two of them know about. They don't know my full story, but they know that I'm sober and had a problem with drugs and alcohol. Um, it's it it travels in families, so I am super nervous that my kids will not be as lucky as I was <clears throat> with some of the consequences. And um, you know, my my hope is that at least with my kids, that I can, I can. I can delay it as much as possible so that their brains can develop and they can develop some of the living skills. Because one thing that's for sure true is, you know, I, and psychologists, psychiatrists would say that this is—they've studied this. When you pick up, you know, I, I stopped most emotionally maturing when I picked up my first drink and drug, and when I put it down, I was—I was like a fourteen-year-old. Um, I was a I was an 18 year old that you know I was like wanted to skateboard and like do things that that I never did because I was more interested in these other things and I, I just wouldn't want to rob my kids of of some of those things I mean there's plenty of time in life to um, to drink and they're gonna have lots of you know college and after college and all these things <clears throat> and and so um, you know, I think getting some, some time and experience living life under your belt. Um, because for me, once I got introduced to it, I was off to the races and it's, you know, it's very hard to, to know how a young mind is going to react to, um, to taking drugs and alcohol. And, um, and so it's just, uh, it's a dangerous, um, There's it's just not without some serious consequences.
1: Very well said. And you're absolutely right. You know, it's it's the once you're heading in the direction with pills, as you said, pills are not a rite of passage for anyone, especially now we have the benefit of having our teen years, not in the fentanyl era. Now, with the amount of counterfeit pills that are showing up, if one mistake could be a fatal mistake, I mean, that's not hype.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, and I see that with, with people that I sponsor today and I, you know, I, I never, I never was around. I wasn't using when some of the, when fentanyl was around and some of these things and I've, I mean, I'd say every few months, someone I know that's trying to get sober just dies um, because of a, of a, you know, they took a bad batch or or too much. And um, so not only they, they, just the 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 consequences, you know, that's what I mean by I think the consequences are just so much higher for today's youth with the potency of the of the weed, you know, vaping it. I mean, it's it's it is a different ball game. And it's it's I, I just super scary as a parent. Um, it, it's just super scary because it's not there's not an easy solution, right? I mean, you can't lock your kid up and just, you know, have abstinence forever. Um, but I I just <clears throat> I think you just you're likely to have a much sounder high school and college and beginning of a college experience if you know you've you've had your your life skills develop a little bit more um before you start
1: what would your advice be to a young person who is looking to stay sober during high school and college
0: yeah i'd say <clears throat> i'd say that you know if you're looking do it and um that <clears throat> it is I mean for me the hard part was was getting comfortable with the fact that I'm and it and even happens today you know I I'm I'm in social settings and um and people are drinking or uh smoking weed and um you know I'm I don't do that so <clears throat> it's easy to feel apart from when you're around people that are doing that. And so my suggestion would be to find other, other people that are of like mind to you. You're not going to avoid people. I mean, you don't need to avoid people, but I think, I think for me, it was very important to have, uh, like always be closer, have a closer crew of people that were like-minded to me that on that, on this topic, than uh, than not. So I was even in college you know, I played lacrosse, I had my buddies there, you know th- none of them were sober and I was always more involved with my local AA group than I was with my my college, uh, lacrosse buddies, and that was just for self-preservation purposes. So, I think having a group of people that are like-minded and look for those people, and they 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 frankly tend to be super interesting people. Um, I mean they're much more interesting than the people that are doing sort of the standard, you know, whatever the whatever the most popular thing is in high school. Uh, I find the more interesting people are the people that are not doing that, and and they're they're kind of doing their own thing. So I'd say, look for those people, uh, because it is hard to go through high school without, you know, finding your people. Um, but, uh, but they're out there.
1: As somebody who's coming up on 25 years sober in a few months, what is your life like now? What are you doing with the experience and the knowledge that you've gained through what you went through?
0: I mean, my life is my life is my life now. I mean, I, I did not, I, I did not have the basic uh, rewards that uh, that a human being is entitled to to have in life. You know, freedom, feel good about yourself, do you know, do do positive things, make a contr- contribution, help others, um, be happy, be joyous, be free. I didn't. I wasn't. I mean they read that at an AA meeting and I, I just thought those things are not possible for me. And today my life is happy, joyous, and free. And I've got, my kids have never seen, my kids and my wife have never seen me, um, drink, uh, or, or use drugs. Um, and, and, and like, if I did it, it would be bad. Um, I mean, it, it would, it would, um, It would definitely ruin their day um, because that's how I, you know, drink and use drugs. And so uh, them never having that, being able to be a sober dad, um, you know, uh, run a software company that, that, uh, that is in the mental health space. So we get to do some, we get to work tangentially with people that are, that are helping folks sort of kind of live their best life and find their best person um but you know to me it's it's uh i mean i'm getting today the things that i always wanted from alcohol i mean that's what i would come back to i mean it just that didn't work you know alcohol did not alcohol and drugs did not work to give me feel good about myself be happy joyous free and uh and a contributing member of society and um and sobriety does and so it's kind of fun now I mean I've got a ton of buddies that I that I partied with in high school that are now sober and during this COVID we've been having a virtual meeting we're all around the country but we all grew up together and uh and there's like five or six of us and that's like that's for me, it's a really cool experience because there was a lot a, a long time where I didn't even know – I didn't have any friends in sobriety that were my age, like close friends. I, I had found some, some buddies that were <clears throat> 5 or 10 years older than me, um, but there was not a ton of 18-, 19-year-olds, and if they were in, in AA, they, they weren't uh, often super serious about it, and so – uh, I, I just tended to stick with people that had more long-term sobriety as, as a young, as a young person. Um, but it's been, I mean, it literally hit, you know, that, you know, someone, they say it, it's beyond your wildest dreams. And, uh, it has been beyond my wildest dreams. Uh, life is awesome. And, um, and I don't miss, I don't miss it at all. Before we wrap up,
1: what is the biggest piece of advice you have, both as a parent and a per- person in long-term recovery, for the parents listening to this? Any suggestions? Anything that you'd you'd mention?
0: Yeah, I think that. Um, well, I, I'll say it's not easy to be a parent of a of a high school kid, and I'm I'm dreading that. Um, my my kids are not quite there yet, so i'm I'm very I'm very worried about um, about getting through those years and making sure my kids get through them safely um, with all the challenges that are out there today. and I, I think I think for for me, what was great about my parents is um, even though there were some tough times with our relationship, they, Um, you know, they didn't, they didn't kick me out. They didn't, you know, there, there was, um, I knew I could go to them and, uh, and I could be relatively honest. I think I'm, you know, trying to foster an even more honest relationship with my, uh, with my kids, um, so that they will tell me what's going on and to be able to, try and it's not easy with a high school kid but to try to be able to connect not just on you know did you drink or smoke pot last night but you know how are you feeling absolutely and and like like how's it going how are you feeling about yourself how are you feeling about your friends and to be able to to talk more about those things because the other things are just details and um and you know what are you doing to feel better and like what's working for you and what's not. And try to take out some of the, Hey, you're a parent and I'm a kid. And like, we have different, you know, uh, we're on different sides of this argument and, you know, parents drink and, and, and smoke weed, but they don't, but they tell the kids not to. And you're just telling me that you're not to do this because you don't think I can handle it, but you did it. So I'm going to do it. And, and that's kind of what, how I felt at the time. Um, and then the last thing I'll just share is, you know, I felt as a kid, um, like I, I did want my parents to provide more structure and, um, now, if they if they tried, I w- I would have fought them. head, head you know, uh, I, I would have fought them hard on it. But um, I was looking for structure, and so if you have uh, a son or daughter that you're caring for that's <clears throat> it's in high school, um, I, I think I was looking for some structure, and I was looking for someone to help me interpret my feelings, and. Um, and, and like in a way that like was like, uh, like I could practically apply to the world. And so I think just to the extent of being able to, to talk through those things. And uh, I guess last thing is what I found helpful with my kids who are younger, who are in middle school is, is to just say, Hey, you know, when I was your age, I don't know if you can relate to this, but <clears throat> this is how I felt. And you know, I mean, you can tell how a kid's feeling by reading their body language, and and just to be able to, not put it on them, but to, just say, this is how I felt, and this is how I, <clears throat> I handled it at the time, but this is how I wish I handled it, and uh, I'd say nine out of ten times, I, I see my kids sort of light up and, um, and just sort of feel like, oh my God, you feel the way I feel. Um, because that's what I loved about alcohol it was like it, it it made me feel like I was normal. Um, uh, maybe because then I would share how I was feeling with someone else, and then I felt like I had a connection, or um, or I just felt it. And um, and so you can accomplish that just having a real honest, uh, you know, high emotional IQ conversation with with your your kid without without sort of putting them like, I'm up here, you're down there, sort of, you're on the same level. You're just human beings sort of walking through this path and you're just sharing your experience with them. So that, that would be, um, something that I, I, I sort of, um, I got out a lot. I got a lot out of that when I I got to that point as a senior in high school and I started to, to connect with people that way. And, and maybe if I was able to connect like <clears throat> earlier with people that, that would have, um, that would have been a positive for me but it's not it's not easy you know I, i'm not 100% sure that i'd even be open to it at that point
1: those are all absolutely incredible really important takeaways about connecting with your kids less us and them and more us and also like you mentioned not even so much about did you come home drunk last night or are you using marijuana or, or whatever how are you doing What have you been feeling lately? And then I loved what you talked about with your kids, where you don't even put the ball in their court to have them have to find the courage to say, I'm feeling this way. You take it upon yourself and you say, I know that I felt this way at one point in middle school. And you talk about them lighting up the moment that you – Allow someone else to realize they are not alone. They're not weird. They're not strange. They're not different. It reminds me of connecting with someone in AA where someone comes in and they're thinking, nobody's ever done the things I've done. Nobody's ever failed the way I failed. And they're in there 30 seconds and they realize you too, and you, yeah. and you. And there is a magic that happens where someone realizes they are not alone. Peter. Thank you so much for sharing your time and experience with us here on Win This Year. This has been absolutely amazing. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot. And as always on Win This Year, we'd like to give you some resources if you or someone you know is seeking mental or behavioral health support. You can reach the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline by calling 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-TALK. The crisis text line can be reached by texting the word LISTEN to 741741. The Not My Kid text line can be reached by texting the word QUESTION to area code 602-584-8474. That's area code 602-584-8474. You'll be given a form to fill out, and a Not My Kid staff member will get back to you. And finally, dial 211 or visit 211.org anywhere in the US or Canada for community information and referral services. Thanks once again to our guest, Peter. If you've enjoyed this episode, if you enjoy Win this year, please be sure to subscribe, share, and spread the word. Win This Year can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and nearly every other mainstream podcast outlet. If you have questions or concerns, would like to suggest a guest or a topic for a future episode, email us at winthisyear Win This Year at notmykid.org. As always, all links mentioned in this episode will be in the show notes along with all the links for Not My Kid's social media. I'm Shane Watson, public information officer and prevention specialist for Not My Kid. Thank you again for listening to Win This Year.